called God First. And um, just, n- just nudge the person next to you and say, this is going to be really great. This is going to be really, really great. I love a positive confession. And so this morning, we're, we're gonna, it's my joy to be able to introduce the, uh, the subject matter to us. And um, as we look at over the coming weeks, how we can put God first in a variety of contexts. But before we do that, who likes going food shopping here? Give me a wave. Men, does anybody like going food shopping here? I actually do. No, you don't. Well, I actually do like going food shopping. And my kids like me going food shopping because when Caroline goes, she has a very specific list. Ladies, do you know what I'm talking about? Very specific, not to-do list, but to-buy list. And there's very specific things, and they're practical things like Brussels sprouts and carrots and... I mean, what is all that about? There's no chocolate biscuits on there. There's no pork pies. There's no sausage rolls. I mean, blokes know what I'm talking about this morning. And so when I go shopping, it's very different to Caroline going shopping. I love going food shopping, particularly the smell of fresh bread. Oh, Jesus, take me home. It's just wonderful. I hope heaven has a bakery. Anybody... I hope it's full of bakery smells. Beautiful, beautiful, fresh bread. And so I love going food shopping the occasions when I'm able to do it. And Caroline knows it's fatal for me to go. But the one thing I don't like about food shopping is the trolley dash. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? The trolley dash is when you're just... You're towards the end of the shopping, and then you hear the announcement, till four has just opened. Or somebody shouts, yes, this till's opened, and you've clocked it, but guess what? Somebody else has clocked it. Has anybody ever been there? Because I have. I've gone through the, you know, frozen section, I've maneuvered around, and I'm dashing there, and they get in first. Ah, dear me, it does my head in. When somebody gets before me, I'm terribly motorways, motorway queuing, because I know you should be gracious when you're all queuing in, and there's always a Chris Turner who goes down the fast lane when they've already been told, they've already been told that to stay in, to get in, but there's Chris Turner bombing down. I've seen you, mate, do it. Okay, I've been with you when you've done it, and you're there. And then you're wanting to just get in. And I'm the one person who just does not want to move. Has anybody been down that A38 going towards Mansfield where it just filters in? Everybody goes right on. Steve Holmes is another one. He always just goes there. You do, mate. I've been with you. I've driven with you when you do it. Don't try and say you haven't. You've been. Lynn's, Lynn's just there saying nothing. But we all know. And let's be honest, we've all done it. Why do we want to do that? Because we just want to get ahead. We want to be first. I'm using those as joking. And sorry, guys, I'm not having a go at Chris or at Steve because we've all done it. But I realized something. Personally now, there's an inbuilt desire in me to be first. I hated being second. You've heard the stories about me dragging people along the line on a three-legged race. 
I'm not going to tell that story, but as I dragged this girl, she was literally lying on the floor, and I just dragged her across <laughs> the floor, across the line. It's true. It's all true. It'd be classed as abuse now. I wasn't an adult. I was another kid. I was probably six or seven, but I was determined. I think her name was Sandra White. If she's listening to the podcast, I do apologize, okay? But I dragged her across the line because I wanted to be first. There's an inbuilt bias in all of us to be first. It's called really selfishness. It's called selfishness. And if that's your story, and if that's what you're like, I want to just take a few moments for us to just talk about being first, and particularly, specifically talking about God first. If you don't agree with me and think, no, that's not true, we don't have that, well, I would just encourage you to watch little children. Little children who you haven't taught, what do they don't want to do? They don't want to share. They don't want to share. And I was watching Isaac in a context um, just at the weekend with some other kids. And the, the, the person just blew a whistle and said, and they all knew what they needed to do. And they, all the kids were darting forward. They're all running forward. And then they're all doing this, going up to the coach. What were they basically saying? Me first. Nobody taught them that. I hadn't said, now, mate, make sure you get to the front. You're first. I hadn't said that. There's a bias towards wanting to be first. And this is what we want to talk about this, this morning, if that's okay. Because what I want to do, I want to use a text that's going to help us. Because I believe the anecdote to, sorry, the, the, the antidote to selfishness and me first is putting God first. So I wonder if you Got a Bible, if you have, whether you just take it in your hand, and we're going to read from the Gospel of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament, and I want to take you to a particular passage that is renowned for being called the Sermon on the Mount. It's only called that because it's a message that Jesus delivered on a mountainside. That's why hence the Sermon on the Mount. And there was many crowds around listening to Jesus the crowds gathered around Jesus. You must understand this in the scripture because prior to Matthew chapter 5 and 6, which we're going to go to, we see that Jesus was doing amazing miracles. They loved the relatability of Jesus because he was a man of the people. And also they were just impacted by his profound truth. Jesus spoke profound truth. If people are here today and thinking, I'm not sure how relevant Jesus is is and the, the, the words of Jesus in the Bible are, I would encourage you to read the Bible, particularly the New Testament, because the relatability and the truth of Jesus is just outstanding. And you'll begin to able to understand it as they did. And Jesus was speaking to a crowd, not, as I've said, in a synagogue, in a church, in a temple, but he was speaking in the open air to a group of people. And why this is so important that we're going to read here today, just to give you a context, is the listeners felt very oppressed. They were very oppressed because the people who were ruling that nation where they lived were called the Romans. Anybody ever done any history there? And you'll know that the Romans really controlled, for, for a period of time, the whole earth. 
And they also controlled this little area of Israel where, they, where Jesus was teaching and ministering into. And the Romans were very oppressive. One, they were very oppressive because they knew that they were very hard and cruel. So people were always watching out what they did. But the other thing that they did, they taxed them. They taxed the people. So there was money that was coming out of the, of the people that was then going and being sent to Rome. You must understand something though, that the people that we're dealing with were not wealthy. So they were being taxed on monies that really they needed and they were finding that they had very little. It reminds me of a world in which we find ourselves. I'm not relating this present government to the Romans because I'm not being political. But people feeling oppressed. People feeling like they're troubled. People feeling full of fear and full of worry. And Jesus was speaking into this. So let's pick up the text, shall we, from Matthew and chapter 6. And I want to just read from verse 25. And what I'm going to do, just because of time, I'm going to read four verses from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through to 34. So the first one is found in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more more than the food and the body more than clothing? Then he goes on in verse 31. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we eat? Where Jesus was addressing real basic practical issues that they were worrying about. They were worrying about what they would eat. They were worrying about what they would drink. And they were worrying about what they would wear because they had very little. And they felt oppressed. And they were fearful. And they were trying to work out. Because bearing in mind, this crowd was not just full of adults. It was full of children as well. So as Jesus is saying this, they're looking down at their little Johnny. They're looking down at their little Susan. And they're thinking, as Jesus is saying this, do not worry about what you will eat or drink or what you'll wear. And they've got this little one who needs new clothes. They've got this little one that needs new, new shoes. They've got this little one that is getting hungry because I don't have an awful lot. And it's a kind of world that we are presently living in. Where people are worrying and fearful and feel oppressed by the world in which they're living. And Jesus says to them, don't worry about those things, which is a bold statement which we'll come on to in a moment. He says, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. But then this is what he says in verse 33, but seek first. Everybody say, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And then all these things shall be added to you as well. We'll leave that verse just on, even though I'm going to close off with verse 34. Then Jesus says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Note the text. Jesus brings it right down to practical stuff. Stuff that you and I are having to deal with all the time. How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to put new shoes 
on the kids' feet. Because they keep growing. That's one thing about kids. Having four, they just keep growing. Or if you've got a lad, they just keep scuffing out and going under the bottoms. Why is it the boys always have to slide everywhere? Anybody had any boys? Why do they always have to slide everywhere? They go through the bottoms of the shoes. It's just amazing. You know, and Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you will wear, what you will eat, or what you will drink. Well, you may say, well, that's fine for you, Jesus. But I've got little Johnny and little Susan here. And what am I meant to do with that? And he drops the missile of truth when he says it will take a step of faith. And the step of faith is this. To completely trust God. To completely trust God. And that's when he tells them, verse 33, he basically says to them, don't worry about these things because you need to completely trust your Father in heaven. And if you want everything taken care of, you need to seek first God and his kingdom and his righteousness. And then what does he say? And then all these things shall be added to you. What are those things? I'm just making sure you're following me. Food, drink, what to wear. The practical things of life, if we will put God first, if we will seek God first, if we will place Him first in our lives, and we will run after His kingdom and His righteousness, then all these things will be added on to us. So what does it mean to seek first God and his kingdom? Well, he uses the word first. It doesn't say put me second. God is saying, Jesus is saying that we need to put the Father God first. Not, well, I'll leave until later. But now, place him first for us to seek after God who holds the earth in place. So if he can hold the earth in place and he causes birds to be taken care of and he's able to produce flowers and greenery and trees, if he is able to do all that, he's able to take care of you. This God who sent Jesus into the world because he loved the world, that is why we're able to trust him. That is why he's asking us to seek him First, he sort of talks about seeking God and also his kingdom. What is his kingdom? Well, it's his authority. It's his rule. It's his lordship. So Jesus is saying that if you will seek God first and his kingdom, so his rulership, his lordship over your life. He's saying, listeners, followers, those who are intrigued by my miracles, those who are amazed by the wonderful crowds, those who are, who are impacted by a voice that you've never heard before, let me strip it all down. This is the key. If you will seek me first, if you will seek my kingdom, my lordship, my rulership over your life every single day, and then you will run after my righteousness, which is my right living, the things that you do which you know are right, then you've got nothing to worry about what you wear, what you drink, or what you'll eat. Because I'll take care of it, because all these things will be added on to you. 
He was saying, put me first. This all sounds good. But if I was listening to me now, I'd be asking two questions. I really would. I'd be asking two questions. And why do I know that? Because I've already been through the text and I've prepared this. As I went into the text, my immediate response, as a person who's been a follower of Christ for many, many years, there's two questions that come to mind. Firstly, I would be asking this question, why should I put God first? Is he trustworthy? And the second question that I would be asking is this, well, why can't he be second? Why can't God be second? Is it being a little bit indulgent, this God? Is it being indulgent? Because surely I'm first. Because the role of the day and the value of the day is what? Look after number. Help me this morning. It's to look after number. That's what we taught, aren't we? We're taught to get ahead. We're taught to be first. We're taught to get in the queues. We're taught to grab what we can, get what we can, while we can. That's the ethos of the day. So why should I put God first? Why can't he be second? Well, let me just try and answer a couple of those questions for us this morning. Why put God first? That's the first question. Is he trustworthy enough for me to put him first? Well, let me just make this statement, and it's really impossible for us to unpack it completely, but I want to make this statement. God is faithful. You may say, well, you would say that, Christian, because you're stood at the front. Now, let me just tell you, God is faithful, not just by what I read, but by what I've experienced. I'll say that again. God is faithful, not just by what I read, but by what I have experienced over many, many years. Years. You may say, Christian, you're saying you've never had any challenges. Not at all. Many of you have heard me week after week. I have challenges. I've had many deep challenges. I've had many troubling times. I've cried many tears. All kinds of challenges that have come to my life, like they have to you. But my Bible tells me that God is faithful. But also, not just the Bible tells me that God is faithful, but actually, my experiences have shown that God is faithful. You see... When I didn't have enough money to be able to pay bills. And I'm going back a few years ago with Caroline and I before we had the children. And that was the reality. We had very little. It's interesting that we never went without a meal. It's interesting. When we first had Annie and we really didn't have enough money to be able to afford clothes. There was people who were were, were gracious in blessing us. And also Caroline was able to find a market store that used to take. was now called vintage. But it's actually second hand clothes. And they were beautiful. And we was able to buy them and clothe our children with them. Because we understand that that's sometimes what you have to do. Well, you don't have an awful lot. Sorry, Annie, to burst the bubble, but you were dressed in those kind of clothes. And you always look beautiful. Because there's nothing wrong with those things. Our experience is this, that God is faithful. I don't just see it in the Bible, but I see his faithfulness running through my life. You see, I've come into contact with people who've needed a job and they've tried everywhere and then unexpectedly somebody spoke to them. They haven't even gone to them and they've been offered a job. That is, speaks of God's faithfulness. There's a bill that may have needed paying. I recently heard of somebody telling me a story. They didn't have the money to pay the bill, but just, again, an unexpected source, the money that they needed to pay the bill. How awesome is that? That is God's faithfulness. I was just talking to Kath and Kath gave me the permission. We all understand that Kath's very difficult circumstance that you find yourself in, Kath, with regards to grandkids and just taking care of, how many have you got at the minute? 
four, four grandkids. And for those who don't, I don't think we broadcast it, but they're five, they're, Kath was up in Glasgow with family and little Michael, who's five, I think he was chasing after a balloon once or a ball. It ballooned, went, went away, ran out into the middle of the road, 20 foot in the air, taken feet forward, 15 feet forward. And guess what? Then he got a little grace. Then he got a little grace. We hear stories like that where people have gone from here into eternity. And yet Kath's story is, she just says it's amazing. God just took care of him. Little grace. You see, Kath just doesn't read about the faithfulness of God. She's now experienced the faithfulness of God. So God, can God be trusted? Well, I'm telling you, I think he can. And I think he's a faithful God. Not just by what it says in the Bible, but by also my experience. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If, you can ex- if you've experienced the faithfulness of God, just give me a wave. He's a faithful God. But the second question was this. Well, why can't he be second? It's a valid question, isn't it? I can love him, but it doesn't mean he has to be first. Well, this is where I have a bit of a problem because why can't he be second? And I also said, is God being a little bit indulgent? Don't worry, I'm not, gonna, I'm not worrying about a bolt of lightning coming through the roof to take me out. I'm just asking a question. So I think it's a valid question as you process this. Well, why should we put him second? Because surely my wife is first and my husband is first or my kids are first. No, actually God says you need to seek me first. What, above my kids, above my wife, above my husband? Yes. And no, it's not being indulgent. Because I want to show you how this works You see, what you prioritize shows me what you love. That's worthy of writing down. What you prioritize shows me what you love. You see, if you'll prioritize your kids, and we need to love our kids and our husbands and our wife for those who've got them and our family and friends, that's all wonderful. But if they become more of a priority than God, then actually we're setting them as God in our lives. You see, unless we intentionally place God first, listen to me, very important what I'm about to say. Unless we intentionally place God first, we will automatically relegate him to second or third, or even worse, fourth and fifth in our lives. That will happen. Let me show you how this practically works out. I know you've all been wondering what these are doing here. This is how most of us live our lives. I have to be honest with you. That we fill our lives with our career. We fill our lives with our family. So kids, if you've got a few kids, there's kids. Okay, fill our lives with our husband or wife. Or if we're single, we just fill it with socializing, going down the pub. You know, none of those things are bad, by the way. We fill ourselves with our careers, our jobs. We want to get ahead. Oh, I'm running out of sand there. I'll be able to get some more here. Okay. We run after our money. We want money. So there we are. And money's important, isn't it? Anybody know? Money's important? Come on, you're very quiet. Money's important? Yeah. Want that nice holiday? Come on. That's got to be done. So we'll have that nice holiday. Yeah. Church. Oh, church. That's really important. So I'm going to put it there. Church is there. And then... 
Oh, God, you're wonderful. Unfortunately, this is how most of us live our lives. We've put everything else in us, and then we prioritize God around those things. And he's meant to be a perfect fit. And he becomes strained and pressured. Anyone know what I'm talking about? See, this isn't how it was meant to be. You see, how it was meant to be, let's get rid of this box. You see, we have God. I remember Christians said and reminded us from the Bible that if I would seek God first and seek after doing it his way, so his rulership, lordship, I'm submitted to him. And that I try and live right, because he'll help me to live right, not perfect, but live right. Then I was reminded, then all these things will be added unto me. So instead of trying to force God into those things, I'm going to put God first. And I can still do those wonderful things, that retirement planning, it's there. The kids. The kids are great, aren't they? Well, there's only, there's only um, Chris who thinks that. The kids are great, aren't they? The kids are great. Oh, don't answer this, ladies. That husband, he's brilliant, isn't he? Don't answer it. He's brilliant. What? Husbands, that wife, brilliant. I love meeting. I love meeting damp pub with my friends. I have a blast. Really good, innocent stuff. That holiday. Ho ho! Hey! That new car! Hey! Brilliant! Love it! That retirement planning. Not be long now before I retire. Woohoo! But see, it works. Because God's first. God's first. Young people, young people, put God first. You know, he knows what you want to do in your life. You want to be a school teacher, you want to be an astronaut, you want to be a brain surgeon. Some of you, tell you what, if any of you want to be brain surgeons, and I need trouble work on my brain, I'm going to make sure I don't get any of you guys. I've seen you look a bit ropey. He knows all that's in your hearts. Put him first. Those who would like a husband, those who would like a wife, some of you are doing this. You're trying to do it, and then you're putting God in the middle of it. Put God first. Well, that's all right for you. You've got a husband and wife. Yeah, I understand, but that's all I did. It's as simple as that. Put God first. When you put God first, he'll, he'll take care of you. You ain't got to worry about those things. And this is how it works. So that's why I believe that it shouldn't be placed second. And he's not trying to be indulgent. He's just trying to help us to understand that if he's first, then everything else fits 
around it. Everything else fits in it. Everything seems orderly and good. You may say, well, Christian, he is first in my life. Let me just give those, if you're not a believer this morning, you are off the hook with this. You genuinely are. But if you're a believer, let me ask you this question. What I mean by believer, you know Jesus, you've got your ticket, you're going to heaven. I'll, I'll finish with that in a moment. But you've got it. Well, you say, well, he's first. Okay. The big test for me now, this came to me. I said to Caroline, write this down because it really just fell on me. And I don't think I read it anywhere, but it just really impacted me. And I've had to work this through over the last few days in my life. Is God first? Because if God is first, the big test is to look at your diary and see where you spend your time. I'm not after you being here all the time like, you know, in a monastery and you've got work to do, you've got family, you've got friends, but can I just ask a question? If God is first, this shouldn't be an afterthought. I'll just say this, this, this here this morning shouldn't be an afterthought. It needs to be a priority because God's first because there's something that happens as we just connect with God together. Is that okay? So check your diary. If God is first, or this is going to upset some folks potentially, look at your bank statements and see how you spend your money. If God's first, let's see how we spend our money. That's very impacting to me because I like the other stuff, as we all do. But if he's first, if he's first, then it will affect how we spend our money. And I have to say this, if he isn't first, then please don't start complaining to me or to God about the other things that are not coming into your life. Because God says, if you'll put me first, I'll take care of the, the, the eating, the drinking, and the wearing. But if you're not going to put me first, then please don't start complaining about the eating, the drinking, and the wearing. Putting God first. You see, it's not just about knowing you're forgiven and saved. I'm nearly at the close. You have the ticket to heaven when you die. Again, I've been really impacted by this over a number of months. I think I, I lived for many years, even as a Christian pastor, encouraging people to enter into salvation, getting the ticket. So if anything was to happen to them, they'd die. But I'm realizing more and more and more and more, it's not just about the ticket. It's about how we live our lives. It's about how we live our lives here on earth. It's about living for him every moment of every day. Being aware of what pleases him. And what he wants for my life. God first in our marriages. God first in our singleness. God first trusting me for that partner for me in my singleness. God first in our friendships and our relationships. God first in our finances, with our money, with our tithe, being generous. God first with our diaries, making connecting, gathering with God's church in corporate and small groups a priority. God first in serving the house and serving the world, giving time to volunteer and help. God first. Listen to me, church. He wants to be first, front, and central. 
He wants to be first, front, and central. Some of you are forever trying to force God into your agenda when what he asks for you, of you, is that you'll put him first and then build everything else around it. And I know it works, as you've heard me say, not because I've read it, because I'm, if I can say this without any sense of arrogance, I'm living in it. I'm endeavoring to put God first. So, this week, how does that work out for you? Well, I would encourage people to make a conscious decision every day to commit your day to God this week. It's as simple as that. Commit your day to God this week. I was driving down Hena Road, and um, I was just mindful of the fact that I'd been running on for a couple of days, and I'd prayed in the morning, but then I was finding myself just getting on and doing stuff, and I just had to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm really sorry. Will you just be in every part of my day and just nudge me when I'm not speaking with you? And just give me a nudge when I'm trying to do it myself. Just get my attention. What I've been basically saying is, I don't want to live my day without God. I want to be conscious of God and putting him first in every decision that we make. Does that make me super spiritual? Not at all. It's just I want God first in all the decisions, in all the stuff of the day. Here's another thing. Why don't you fill your life with him? Well, how can you do that? By reading and praying. Some Christians talk to me and they're struggling and they're challenged and all the rest of it. And then the question that I always go to, and it's the basic, are you reading your Bible and are you praying? Well, no. Well, there's the problem. You're starving yourself. This Bible is, is food to your soul. It will encourage you. It will help you. It's not trying to put, lay something, a burden on you. But it's filling our lives with God. And this is what I want to conclude with. I challenge you in God, putting God first, to diarize over the next few weeks. I would encourage you and challenge you to make your day about pleasing Him, reading the Bible, praying, just being Him. Make your day about Him, inviting Him into the day. And then make notes over the next few weeks and just see what God does. Just see what God does. I challenge you to just see what God does. Just take it out every day, Monday. God, I invite you into my day. And I just want you to be first in everything that I do. And just watch what God begins, begins to do in you. Because it's more interesting in what he does in you than he is what he does through you. We get it the other way around. We think God's all he is interested in is what he does through us. He's not. He's more interested in what he does in us. And then watch what he will then do through us. So... We're going to explore over the next few weeks about putting God first in many different areas of our lives. I wonder if the musicians would join us. We might need a few people to just finish, uh, move this this sand, some muscle. And I wonder if we just bow our heads for a moment.